You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. I see you're eating on camera, Mickey. Exactly what they tell podcasters not to do. I'm, what what you eating? I'm eating a nacho because uh, nachos are infrastructure. <laughs> According to some bloggers, everything is, there was a, a popular tweet was nachos are infrastructure. So, so you're el- eligible for a subsidy then. And the more you eat, I'm, the more money you'll get. I'm eligible for the first tranche of the Biden infrastructure plan. Cause this is more concrete than a lot of things in the second tranche. Um, you know, you laugh, but nachos provide nutrients to the construction workers who build the bridges and the roads. Well, Yes, there's a. Um, I made the foolish mistake of trying to actually dig into the infrastructure plan uh, to see what was good and what was bad about it, and the results were alarmingly inconclusive. Uh, there's some things that obviously everybody wants to do, like replace the lead pipes that are, you know, poisoning children's brains. I uh, favor that. And. But then there, then then there's uh, then there's controversy, and maybe and maybe maybe extend uh, you know wireless internet to the hinterland. Although it's only like twenty five percent of the population, it seems to me. If you live in the hinterland, you have to give up something. But, but that's anyway. legit infrastructure still in, in the no, information age. That's legit. It's a legit infrastructure. I'm for it. Uh, then you have roads and bridges. Guys like Matt Iglesias, who should be in favor of that sort of thing, is against it because he thinks the roads and bridges are fine. Having driven around a lot, I tend to think uh, the roads could use some work. Uh, I agree. And um, uh, he he also, Iglesias also pisses on a bit on mass transit on the grounds that, uh, uh, you know, that um, the really important thing is is getting the, the, the zoning changes that allow you to build dense developments around mass transit. Well, you know, if uh, I, I, I was desperately trying to get the Matt Iglesias' left so we could achieve the fabled crossover. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I did because it uh, there's this uh, phenomenon called induced demand, which is when you build a high, if you build it, uh, the cars will come. If you build a highway, Developers will build around it, and it, right. it won't solve congestion. It'll just it'll create congestion in that uh, in that highway. But, but doesn't it work um, both ways with mass transit and housing? Doesn't it work in both directions? Like you, uh, you know, if you got good mass transit, people move there. If there's a bunch of people there, there's a demand for mass transit. Well, yeah, that's the point. And with mass transit, induced demand is a good thing. We want that. Uh, now, you know, there are there are times when. The development does not follow the mass transit. In L.A., we built uh, a, a light rail line to the sea. Okay, it's a great thing, but they didn't get any zoning changes. So it's just a light rail line that goes through a bunch of garages and uh, and parks and sort of very non-dense, non, uh, non-urban settings. And that's and so what Matt wants to avoid. Right. But, you know, eventually they'll change the zoning because developers will keep pressing for it. So. And the transit is right there. Nobody's doing it now because nobody wants density, you know, to so that everybody gets COVID. Uh, so anyway, I, I was. Um, it, it, it's it's a little, as you know, the, the the infrastructure is divided into two plans. There's the hard thought, infrastructure and the soft infrastructure. That's nachos. Is soft or hard? That's soft, right? Nachos. I claim nachos are hard. It's a lot harder than. Welfare like child allowances, which is uh, in the soft infrastructure. I figured part. we were headed in that direction. Um, but you know the whole the whole hard infrastructure, and it looks like they divided it because the hard infrastructure. I mean, I guess you divide it because you can put together different coalitions for different bills, and the hard infrastructure gets some Republican buy-in. It's more popular, and the the the, the soft infrastructure, which includes the welfare like child allowances. Uh, and universal pre-K and a lot of community college money, uh, that is sort of more an exclusively democratic thing. Uh, but um, so, is it going to be broken up into different bills and, and voted on separately? It looks like it. It's all up in the air because because now the it, parliamentarian said they could right. 
use reconciliation twice, not just once. Right. This gets in. This gets into our uh, the second topic. Uh, before we get to that, I want to say it, it looks alarmingly like a five year plan. In other words, we're going to build five hundred thousand new units of housing, and we're going to do, Intel is going to be our national champion. We're going to have a semiconductor industry. It's all very. It's all very. Uh, Alarmingly socialistic, but uh, I'm not necessarily against it. You know um, what I was excited about briefly uh, associated with the infrastructure bill is on the how do you pay for it size side, the uh, global minimum corporate tax. That, that seemed like want. a reasonable thing to try for. Well, it sounded, yeah, but it sounded more one-worldish than it actually is, I think. I mean, I thought they were going to get a bunch of countries like G20 countries or something to agree to to uh, harmonize their tax policies, but it sounds like what it is uh, what it is is like an American corporation has to pay a minimum total tax of X when they add in what they're paying abroad and what they're paying to America. It's more like that, right? I think so. I didn't quite follow it, but the, yeah. what, what seemed obvious to me was the idea that they're going to get get this together by the time the infrastructure bill passes. Seems insane. Seems ambitious. It, it, it's a it's a reasonable thing to do because the, the the idea of the Trump tax cuts was, you know, to lower the corporate tax rate so corporations would come here. Right. Well, to avoid you know, the if, we, if we get together with all the other countries yeah. and raise them in unison, then then we don't create yeah. that that distance. You know. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, so, I put it the wrong way. Trump wanted to join the race to the bottom. Biden wants to prevent the race to the bottom. Right. Right. So I favor that prevent uh, it's okay i think the whole corporate tax thing i think it's all a lightning rod to give the republicans something to attack and then they'll drop it or modify it and because who needs uh, revenue these days right That's exactly. old school exactly it's katie bar the door so anyway on the parliamentarian thing it, it, it's 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 incredibly complicated but there were there was some information uh the question first question is how many of these things could they do mm-hmm. and it we don't know because all the parliamentary, all the parliamentarians said is, you know, you may uh, have a, a, another reconciliation modification. Okay, she didn't say how many. Okay, and um, it's very complicated because the reconciliation is actually three different bills, and they only did two. There's a there's a expenses bill, a revenue bill, and a debt limit reconciliation. And they only did two of the three. So they might be able to do a, an extra debt limit reconciliation in addition to the other two. Anyway, uh, I think the original plan was to uh, do the first, uh, do it all as part of next year's reconciliation bill, the 2022. Uh, now it looks like they're going to get an extra one this year. Mm-hmm. But the key is there's a time limit of September 30th. So they got to get it all done by September 30th, which looks hard to do. So they may decide to punt it to next year, next year's reconciliation anyway, uh, and use the, the the pre-September 30th reconciliation for something completely different, like uh, like it, uh, the dream amnesty for immigrants, or uh, you know some sort of Obamacare thing, or uh, so it may not be an infrastructure thing at all. Uh, in which case, if they, if you know, if they punt it all, they may want to cram it all together in one bill again, uh, okay. or they may, or, now, or not. If 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 Matt Iglesias is our lodestar, um, doesn't he think this thing it just isn't going to pass? I thought he was very pessimistic about this passing at all. No, he thinks it'll pass, but with uh, big modifications. Oh. He he doesn't really express an opinion. Well, what are the modif- I mean, I would I would assume something this big has parts that are designed to be jettisoned under expected political pressure. Do yes. we know what those are and what is what is designed well, to stay in? I don't. The the, the the conspicuous things that that stick out to me are uh grants to get rid of exclusionary zoning. Uh in other words, they don't have the balls to have a federal rule saying you can't have exclusionary zoning, by which I think they mean single family zoning. But you wouldn't have to be. You could just say we need a mix, right? Uh, but that's very controversial. Wait, single family housing zoning is is exclusionary? Isn't that the yes. norm in residential? In the in the debate, th- that's what the right wingers charge. I mean, in in California, uh, 
it's not just exclusionary, but they wanted to build more housing, so they wanted to get rid of all single-family zoning. It seems to me a sensible compromise would say we have some single-family houses. Mm-hmm. Each city has to do build so many uh, lower-income houses. We maybe allow granny flats in all single-family houses. I mean, there are hundreds, tons of the different things you could do before you just ban single-family zoning. But um, that's that's the way it's interpreted. Um, there, bizarrely, there's a very soft thing, which was a payoff to a union, which is home health care, which got elevated from the second soft human infrastructure bill into the first hard infrastructure bill because it's a it's a payoff basically to the SEIU and it basically would uh, try to tackle the home the long-term care crisis by subsidizing just home health care not nursing homes not all the other things you could do but uh, just do this one thing that this union likes and I you know it's it, it seems eminently jettisonable to me or at least to, to put off till the second bill uh, why why is it going to increase productivity in this sector to unionize it? That's like the antithesis of productivity. And why emphasize home health care over nursing home care? I don't know. Um, Iglesias makes that point. Uh, there's a, in general, the soft things are, are, are much more jettisonable than the hard things. Uh, well, do you agree that if Biden gets most of this passed, we can, we can put him alongside LBJ in the annals of, of, Tremendous le- legislative accomplishment by president. No, no, okay. There's nothing like like instituting Medicare or Social Security. No, just LBJ asking. Did, Some people LBJ, are saying that LBJ did asking. Medicare. Okay, and he, and he wasted billions on the war on poverty. Yeah, but he also had uh, an assassinated president as political fuel. Biden doesn't have that, right? But I mean, this isn't as big as Clinton's welfare reform, whatever you thought, of, whatever you thought of that. But you it's have heard this, right? That this just, would be, uh, I don't mean this alone. I mean, everything. this in conjunction with COVID relief is what people are saying. It would be an impressive start. I mean, compared to yeah, say his predecessor, no, remind me what success. his predecessor did. Let's and compared, with- and compare, comparing it with, uh, comparing it with, uh, you know, expectations for Biden coming in, it's a huge achievement, but you know, Obama did what seemed like a huge infrastructure bill too, right? I guess I mean, Paul, uh, Paul Krugman is taking credit for subsidizing Tesla, uh, you know, uh, allegedly a brilliant success. So he, so Biden's doing a bunch more of that. Uh, doesn't uh, it doesn't strike me as as, as particularly epic. Uh, you know, an immigration amnesty, much as I would hate it, would be epic. It would change our country forever. OK, this is going to uh, maybe uh, stimulate some jobs and build some roads et cetera, et cetera, and starts in new industries and allegedly, uh, you know, help combat climate change for, uh, you know, there, there's $650 billion to retrofit homes. If I were looking for something to jet, jettison, that would be among the top ones because wh- I don't understand why the private private industry can't jet, can't retrofit homes. Uh, it, um, you would think... Uh, people, that, that doesn't uh, fall into the classic definition of a public good, I would say. Yeah. The the but but what does is interstate highways. I I, I want to mention something infrastructure related because our discussion last week drew a, uh, a, a a worthy of engaging comment on YouTube. It was about the um it was about kind of the racialization of everything to put it slightly hyperbolically, but the idea of, you know, the question of whether Democrats should be uh, emphasizing, uh, you know, identity politics more or kind of class-based politics. And we were talking specifically about this plan to uh, offer remedies to uh, minority neighborhoods. That's the way it was being phrased that had had, uh, you know, interstates inflicted upon them and other things via eminent domain, the idea was that that uh, you know they were they they were the ones who paid the price for these highways that that served other people. Um, so, and I was saying, you know, in, in keeping with my belief that that the Democrats will be better off if they phrase as much as possible in terms of class politics. You know, just define it as relief for low income neighborhoods afflicted by these. Uh, by these atrocities or whatever, whatever they, 
you consider them. So this this guy wrote in, both these gentlemen, meaning you and me, are extremely ignorant of the multifaceted harms of highway construction in minority neighborhoods. I don't have the energy to lay them all out, but basically all of the white communities, yes, even the poor ones were able to fight off and or divert highway construction into adjacent, uh, into adjacent black neighborhoods. Okay, I rest my case. I mean, this is kind of what I mean is like, if that is true, if all of the afflicted neighborhoods are minority neighborhoods, then you can define it uh, without respect to race, and the beneficiaries will still be the minorities. They, they are the ones who will fit into the definition of a low-income neighborhood that has this inflicted on it, right? I very, much, I very much doubt that that's true. Uh, okay, but I'm, I'm saying it. even taking it, you know, if it's not true, then you have the other thing I consider a virtue, uh, which is uh, white people who, after all, vote too, benefiting low-income white people benefiting from these policies and thinking, hey, I don't have to vote for Trump. Biden is a friend of working people. Now, in this case, we're talking about urban communities, so you're less likely to to get the classic white Trump voter. But there are policies. And in fact, uh, some of the things you're talking about in in infrastructure with, you know, the uh, the, uh, you know, information infrastructure, extending, uh, you know, wireless or broadband or whatever the hell it is to rural neighborhoods, um, you know, if you make that a policy you define in terms of low income, that'll help minorities, yeah. white people be good I'm, for the country, good for the Democrats I, and well, and good for the country. Uh, yeah, I'm for that. Biden is, however, in the business of racializing everything. Well, you know, it's funny. A friend of mine just I ran into him the other day. Smart guy. Uh, and he thinks Biden, you know, and he shares my concern about the over-racialization of policy and discourse. Uh, and, you know, and he's a liberal like like me. He's on the left. He, he has very strong left, left-wing credentials. He thought Biden was doing a good job of holding the tide. I'm, I'm, I'm not, what, what would you, how would you describe Biden's strategy with respect to this? Is it like he's going to talk the talk, the identity politics talk, but not walk the walk? Or, because I mean, I think, the talk is what does most of the damage, actually. Is he going to pass an infrastructure bill that specifically says, uh, uh, you know, blacks get more money than whites or they have an explicit racial character? I have I, heard I, it. This- I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll avoid it, but there's $45 billion to correct infrastructure inequity. Well, that I think it's. Probably he defines inequity in terms of race, not class. Well, it's partly the way they choose to describe it when their people go out on, you know, NPR and stuff uh, as much as what it actually says in the bill. Everything is race. Everything's Jim Crow on steroids. He's going to put y'all in chains. I mean, race is the Biden's demagogic go to move. By the way, you you saw he got blowback for embracing the uh, moving the all star game out of Georgia from no less than Stacey Abrams. And John Ossoff. Well, they, they didn't have, like that. They're, they're scrambling because it's their state, and Stacey well, Abrams wants to be governor. Well, it's kind of an important state for Democrats, right? Be nice to hang on to it. Yes, you, we don't know if Stacey Abrams was playing a double game. In other words, did she actually urge Major League Baseball to move it or to not move it? I don't quite know. And Warnock, Warnock, the third guy, uh, was was hesitant to tell them not to move it. And if you really thought it was Jim Crow on steroids, you'd want to move it, as, as a National Review writer pointed out, uh, if it was really that serious. So, can, can I make one minor point, Mickey? Some people have been calling for moving the Masters, which is happening right now. Right. And I just want to explain that you can't move the Masters. You can cancel it, but it's like you can't move the Tour de France to, France to Australia. Same thing. Yeah, the Masters is only played on one golf tournament uh, and on one golf. Well, course. you could you could declare some other course the Masters. No, for but a it weekend. just it, you have to understand golf. It just literally it'd be people would be like, "What are you crazy? I'm not showing up." I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this is defined, and it's the only major championship that is defined by a course. Yeah. Let the record show that the Masters is also the same contest on which Howard Howell Reigns broke his pick. Uh, trying to get the golf club integrated by sex. Well, it is now integrated by sex, though, right? It has happened yeah. since then, yes. But uh, that, that was how Reigns' big crusade. The former, the yeah. deposed editor of the that New York the Times. Famous, the famous story was CBS remains silent on. He 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 was a whole 
crusade that he ginned up to the point of trying to shame people who didn't join the crusade, like CBS, which I believe was televised in the Masters. Um, anyway, I got I got sucked in uh, to opposing him, but uh, uh, it was it was a it was a, a sort of shameless example of a newspaper just deciding to to declare a crusade that wasn't there before. Speaking of the um, time, the Times has escalated its uh, description of um, of Trump's characterization of the election. The, the standard thing had been baseless claim, right? Right. Uh, well, here is uh, the lead paragraph of a piece about how Trump uh, is still kind of the center of gravity of the Republican Party. It's by Jonathan Martin and Nicholas Fondos. Fandos. Here's the lead. Republican lawmakers are passing voting restrictions to pacify right-wing activists still gripped by former President Donald J. Trump's lie that a largely favorable election was rigged against him. Just noting that. Yeah. I think that's a – that's a. I mean, they had used the word lie in some context, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It, this is new. It, it, I, I do think that Trump's constant uh, statement that he won is is looking sort of worse and worse as time wears on. Uh, I don't know if that's because – I guess it's because n- very little evidence of fraud has emerged. Oh, yeah. It's total uh, bullshit. I, no, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's worth remembering I, that they not uh, – all. you hear about all these court cases. They, they filed 300 court cases, whatever the hell it was. Not once did one, a, an attorney representing Trump allege fraud because they didn't have any evidence of it. That was never – that was literally never the claim they made in an actual court of law. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that's still true. But uh, there, there. It was true uh, as of January sixth. The um, there um, there's some discrepancies that emerged in Montana. Of course, that's not a case where, uh, where I assume Trump won Montana. Uh, I'm just saying he was the, using the term fraud, but he he knew he couldn't back it up right. in court. At the one time. of the one, and and Sidney Powell is now in total disrepute. Um, one <laughs> of the. Uh, who knew? By the way, my my, my gripe with lie, I, the reason I don't like the word lie, well, there are more than one, but it, it just assumes you know that the person knew it was not true. And with Trump, right. who knows? Right. Who knows? And also, uh, this is an, uh, an, an important point, and maybe I'm wrong, but there are all these people who say, well, uh, it, 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 it was, you know, the lie was spread because the pro-Trump people failed to denounce and, and pronounce immediately that the election was fair and that Trump had lost. And the answer is, you know, it's a little like I once, uh, there was uh, somebody once said that uh, FDR had said something uh, pissing on Social Security. This, and Bush, the Bushies had promulgated this quote. And I, I got an email or something from a mass email from Al Franken saying, you should say immediately the FDR never said this. Well, I don't know what FDR said a lot of crazy things. I don't know that FDR never said it. I, and I don't, I didn't know on, on the day after the election whether there was fraud or not. So the idea that the, the, the responsible thing for pro Trump people to do was to come forward and, and say, you know, this election is fair and square. There was no fraud when we didn't know it is sort of crazy. And that would have just driven people more insane because it would, it would be so obviously. People just moving in lockstep to what the no. You know, I the thought the thing to do was to do. was just to describe it as unsubstantiated claims, which is still technically what it is. And and uh, anyway, that's ancient history, but, satisfy, but it, not enough to satisfy my liberal friends. I mean, I think you say Trump. Look, if there's fraud, he has to assert their procedures. He can show it if he has in their time limits, and if he goes and shows it, fine. If he doesn't show it, he's lost the election. That's that. You know, that's that's the way we play the game. So, Mickey, uh, are you are you following the Derek Chauvin trial? Not really. I read uh, um, uh, Ann Coulter's column in the early stages of the trial and tweeted it. Be, sorry, and tweeted it. That's how I became aware of it. You tweeted right. and, it, and it looked like it was going badly for the prosecution because some of the cops that they had called, the prosecution had called, admitted that well, Chauvin would have been justified in using a stun gun or a taser on the guy and that the, the putting his knee on the guy's neck was the lesser force than that. So uh, that seemed like to be a good point for Chauvin. Now they have some medical experts who say that uh, he was really killed by the knee and not by the massive amount of fentanyl in his blood. And I just haven't Wait, followed that. What, they, was I, it, I was it a massive amount? 
Yeah, I think remember we haven't I mean, talked about this last week. It was thirty three, and uh, you know, it's uh, three has been known to kill people. So, well, although although what constitutes a lethal dose, I think, has to do with your your both your body mass and how much of the stuff you do. So, if you're an habitual right. user, right, you know, but but the he, thing, yeah, go ahead. He had a lot of fentanyl, and, he, and there's a disputed audio recording where he seems to be saying, uh, "I took too many drugs." <laughs> um, uh, you mean so, during the thing? Uh, during right dur- be- during the well, incident, as he's dying? Uh, no, right before the no, before that. It's disputed. It's it's like it's, it's pretty hard to hear. It's, it's like the, hard the Beatles hear. album that says Paul is dead if you play it backwards. Correct. Um, the I think maybe the prosecution's making a mistake in making the question of the cause of death like an either or thing, which it sounds like you're doing too. Uh, you know, was it fentanyl? Was it, uh, you know, the knee on the neck? Uh, because, you know, I mean, look, here are two statements, uh, you know, you could make. Uh, had it not been for the knee on the neck, he wouldn't have died. Had it not been for the fentanyl, he would have died. It's possible that both are true, right? Right. But, but uh, you know, you you can't, you know, the, but, the, but the, I would say the cop is still responsible uh, if 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 not treating him in a way he didn't have to treat him would have left him alive, then the cop is responsible. I mean, especially since it's such a mystery why but, he treated him that way for for so long. It's a complete. But it's it's also it's also a um, it's also true that if 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 you know there's a chance he would have lived but for the knee, you still have to look at whether he was justified in using the knee. Sure, that the, that question the, if, is obviously if, there. If the, if the procedures say he could have used a stun gun. You know, uh, that then then maybe he's justified. Plus, uh, it, it's it, it seemed completely clear from my just sort of a cursory watching of it that the key problem was it took forever for the ambulance to arrive. They they were legitimately expecting well, the ambulance to arrive fine, a lot but that, earlier. That wasn't under the cops control. The question is, why did he keep the knee there uh, long? The guy was completely motionless. I mean, he didn't he didn't even say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to lift up my knee. And if you behave, I mean, it was just it was crazy. And I I, I think it may have had, you know, the one, one thing the, the uh, defense is pushing is the idea that he was surrounded. The cop was surrounded by an angry crowd. And, and that explains the way he behaved well. First of all, if I'm got my knee on on a guy's neck and I'm surrounded by an angry crowd that tells me to get my knee off and I'm starting to feel threatened, I would take my knee off. Now, now I think uh, maybe what's going on is more like the kind of classic cops fear of showing any weak, the fear that you will lose control of a situation if you ever give an inch, that your authority has to be unquestioned. People have been known to to come back with renewed ferocity even after you know, slipping yeah, Mickey, into a drug coma. So Mickey, that's, Mickey, that's he was, the, he was that's handcuffed. The cops are he, he was handcuffed. He was handcuffed and surrounded by cops. How big a danger right. is that? Uh, well, I think, uh, look, I'm just saying what the, the, the argument would be if he kicked up a fuss and the crowd joined in on his side, the cops would be in trouble. That's what they would worry. Were oh, well, look, about. if the, if the crowd so, turns on the cops, they're toast in any event. I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't matter what, what, uh, right. But so they want to keep does. everything static until this fucking ambulance arrives. Well, they That's, kept them pretty damn static. The, uh, um, now, now this, I, I do think this last, I think things have gone pretty well for the prosecution, but this Dr. Tobin yesterday, who was hailed as, uh, I think, a success in for the right. prosecution in most media. I don't know. Did you? I thought it was kind of a weird. He he was weirdly precise. You know, he like looked at the. I mean, first I saw him. He looked at the video and he said, "Well, you can tell he has half of his weight on George Floyd." And first of all, I thought, "Well, how would you know that?" I mean, uh, you know. Uh, but then it turns out he was way more precise. He said eighty six point nine pounds on on Floyd's neck, and he also. Assert, this gets back to what I started on. Um, you know, he asserted that the drugs, whatever, had nothing to do with it. I, if I'm recalling correctly, it was only the knee. Well, look, you know, you're going to get expert win- witnesses saying the opposite. And those are going to be the last ones that, that the jury hears. It seems to me you should frame this in a way uh, that renders the prosecution's case uh, impervious to that kind of thing. In other words, make the point that, look, uh, you know, what was the name of the guy, the original I Can't Breathe guy? Um, I think, wasn't he overweight or something? 
Uh, the cigarette he was selling yeah. illicit cigarettes in New York. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So so suppose somebody argued, well, if he hadn't been overweight, assuming he was, assuming everything, you know, then this wouldn't have, uh, then the cop yeah. wouldn't have killed him. Okay. But it was a fact. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the cop, you know, you, you've got to try to treat people in a way that regardless of the preexisting conditions, they don't die. Besides which the cop said he knew, he knew there were drugs in George Floyd's system. Um, but I just think the prosecution's making a mistake in, in making it sound as if the jury's going to have to choose. Could well, the fentanyl they, have killed him? If so, you know. You're assuming that the prosecution has infinite power to shape his, the expert's testimony or find a new expert. And maybe that's not the case. They got to deal with the what the expert really thinks. So, Well, they choose their expert witnesses. Right. right. But um, it sort of gives the game away if you assume that they can sort of manipulate the testimony. They can They can take care of that in argument. The key question to my mind is, suppose it goes all flo- all Chauvin's way and it hasn't obviously uh would would you would anybody have the balls to acquit no uh i don't think i would you'd have to move to a different town i i have no idea what the composition of the jury is look you know people who are uh who are who want Chauvin acquitted why couldn't people like that be on the jury you, sounds like maybe you do you well, do you think he should be acquitted I I don't know. My instinct w- was certainly watching the video. The instinct was no, but uh, there are people, you know. But the, the, it I only think takes the, one. I think, I think there. I think the, I, the, the we do know what the composition of the jury is. It's just we don't know it. There, there. Are, I think it's like you know, six white people, four black people, and two uh, in between. Something, some something like that. Uh, so. Um, and the, the white people are young, so they're likely to be. I mean, this thing liberal. wound up getting so politicized that you can imagine but, somebody who just didn't like the direction that the BLM protests took, uh, kind of tending to want uh, no, Chauvin to get they, off the hook. They would get death threats, and they'd have to leave town. I mean, if you're well, willing to go to which identity jurors, program, nobody program, knows which that, the jurors' vote is secret. It's unanimous, Bob. If it's, if, if, uh, uh, no, but if one person they, keeps him convict. from convicting, if one person keeps him from convicting, well, it's pretty much clear. It, it, it would come out. It would come out who, who it was. Well, it shouldn't. Uh, I know, but I think it would in this case. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it, so all, all that leads you to think that there's going to be a compromise verdict and he's going to be found guilty of something. Um, so can I, can I go back to Trump for one second? I, I I never tire of going back to Trump. Well, all my friends are all the, these Republicans like Byron York, and all my friends are convinced that Trump isn't going to run. And I don't quite know why they they uh, they think that they. I guess he's going to be really old, and I guess they think he's sort of discredited, which he is. It's, it's he's discredited in my my eyes. I mean, just blowing the Georgia race is enough to to make me never want him. To run again, and uh, and he his presidency wasn't that successful. So I, you know, the pandemic probably pandemic disqualifies him too. But he's going to be sitting around with nothing to do, bored out of his mind. And if he decides he wants to entertain himself by running again, he's going to run again. I mean, why is everybody so confident that he's not going to? And I think it's sort of wishful thinking. I think they think they can encourage people like DeSantis. Well, well wait, what is, the, what is their argument? Why do they? They don't make an argument. They just say, oh, he's not going to run again. Uh, he doesn't really seem old for his age. He's probably taking testosterone, and that would tend to encourage him to run. Um, yeah, I, I could see him running. I just think, I, I think he would not like the risk of losing a second time. Uh, and you know, some, some people say that without Twitter, without a platform, he has, you know, he's, he, he'll just be ignored, but you know, we'll see. He's now endorsed a couple of people, uh, in, in Senate races. He endorsed Mo Brooks in Alabama and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if his, if his, if his word carries weight, I think it probably will. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I wish he would not run. Uh, but uh, I, I have no confidence that that will happen. Well, you know how I, you know who I now think will not run as the Trump, as the surrogate Trump candidate, even though he's quite Trumpist in his politics. Josh Hawley. 
Matt Gates. I'm, I'm going out well, on a limb here. Gates is an interesting. Gates is an interesting case. Um, you know, he's actually a smart guy. Well, he was hey, like he's that. actually a smart. Guy. You know, I joined in the heaping abuse on Gates because he, he had come out against Jeff Sessions in a craven act of Trump suckuppery and supported Tommy Tuberville, who has to be one of the stupidest people in American politics. And Sessions was a very, very effective, uh, especially on the immigration issue. You know, he he caught some. He would catch little fine things that the Democrats would try to to sneak in, and he he would object to them and get them taken out of the bill. Uh, it, it, Tuberville's not going to do that. Um, Tuberville was a, a setup to to sell out uh, on a bunch of issues, uh, and um, but I learned last night, and it's true. I think Gates is one of the most anti-interventionist Republicans. He gave a speech attacking Lynn Cheney for endless wars. Uh, well, yeah, so but that was, wasn't that only after she became vulnerable after January 6th, or was it not? Yeah, it was after the, 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 well, the speech I think he's a I complete saw, but, opportunist. Well, I think, no, but I, you, I saw some, you know, some articles saying he was, uh, you know, thought for himself on issues of war. I didn't, I haven't followed them up, but, you know, but opportunism is one thing, but if he, you know, actually is, an effective spokesman for non-intervention. I'm not so sure I want to hand him out of Don't you think it's kind of hilarious that we're talking about his political credentials when obviously his ship is about to capsize? I'm I not mean, so sure. I mean, I mean, it no, probably wait. is. You get, yeah, an incre- it, you get an incredible, uh, you know, I, I got incredible positive feedback. I got a lot of hits when I ridiculed him. but And he's sending out these ridiculous fundraising letters with the the box for a recurring donation pre-check to the Met. They're coming to get me. You have to support okay. me. But look, but a couple of things now seem fairly clear based on recent reporting, if it's to be taken at face value. Leaving aside the question of, wh- of whether it was a 17-year-old prostitute, it now seems clear that he uh, Venmoed, is that the, the, the app, money to his friend, uh, this crazy guy, former tax collector for some county in Florida, Greenberg. Seminole County, yeah. Uh, who in turn, you know, he, 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 he sent 900 to him and I think mentioned the name of one of the women that Greenberg then sent, uh, the several women he sent a total of exactly 900 to. It's pretty clear. Like Greenberg, uh, you know, he was Gates's wingman and one of his functions was to be the intermediary for for money uh, Gates played to, was that, paid to prostitutes. Was, was he Gates' wingman or was Gates his wingman? No, I no, no. I that. just read this piece in Politico where they actually use the word wingman. I mean, you know, it stands to reason. Look, Gates is in Congress. This guy is some has-been, you know, tax collector. Um, no, Greenberg was was definitely the beta male in this case. And in addition, like, you know, one way apparently so – he, for purposes apparently of, of patronizing prostitutes, Greenberg wanted to have uh, ID cards that had his picture on them, but someone else's name. Right. And you know what a tax collector has access to? Lots Disca- of lots of people's ID cards. Right. And, he, and and there was apparently, and so that was a, a game of his. But apparently, there was surveillance video of him and Matt Gates. Going into the room right. where the uh-huh. IDs were. Okay, so I think I he's, think Gates will not be America's next president. I'm going out on a limb here. He's got it. I don't I, right, but there is the Ralph Northam precedent, which is if you tough it out, sometimes you tough it hey, out. Hey, Andrew Cuomo, he's still uh, there. He's still so, there, folks. You, you, you know. Also, Gate. Also, Gates is 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 not really a hypocrite in the sense it, he didn't pretend that he was anything but a douchebag. In this, in the sex department. Uh, now, uh, you would think being, you know, being using sugardaddy.com or whatever website they use, whatever was, service they use would be politically embarrassing. But hey, if you don't pretend to you're anything else, you yeah. know, of course, if you're in sugardaddy.com, you're going to be Venmoing a lot of money to a lot of people. Well, no, the, the, that website is their defense because that, that website was just on the right side of the law, I think, in that technically what's supposed to happen with that website is that you meet women who would be happy for you to buy them dinner and perhaps a diamond ring, and then we'll see what happens. In other words, it's supposed to not involve 
just cash transactions, but now they seem to have evidence of just flat out cash transactions. And that's the problem. There's also you can the, give you can give flowers, but you can't give cash. That's the legal I, line. I believe that that uh, is probably a legal distinction too. Plus, it would take a lot of, of flowers. You know, these uh, uh, gates. You know, these are these are high class uh, high class uh, women. Yeah, I I kept waiting for the uh, for my friend Chuck Johnson to be involved somehow because if you know him, he's the yeah, he's the crazy the, redheaded scourge crazy redheaded. who's actually done some good things. But uh and he wasn't involved except it turns out he is the man who introduced Gates to his fiance. So who he has, is he has who surfing. is the sister of Palmer Lucky of the Oculus of Oculus fame, Silicon Valley rich guy and Trump supporter. Yeah. The um, uh, one more, there's one more thing on Gates. We, this is something that broke last week, so we only mentioned in in the parrot room. Pause to let the the the, the, the phrase parrot room sink in for marketing purposes. Anyway, but a week later, no, nobody, almost nobody's picked up on this, but it's super bizarro. Okay, this was in the the uh, American Conservative. Written by uh, an apparently credible journalist named Arthur Bloom. You may know him because he was deputy editor of Daily Caller. Now he's editor of the American Conservatives uh, online operation. Real guy. He got a hold of these these screenshots of texts that must between Scott Adams, the Dilbert creator and Trump supporter, and this guy Jake Novak, the media director of the Israeli consulate in New York. What? It seems obvious that Adams leaked them to him. Right. Yeah. Well, this has gotten press. People have talked about it. Has it? Yeah. Actual, yeah, but have, have any mainstream media things picked? It's super bizarre. I, I don't know, but but that leads, that, that feeds into the idea that because he was, the, you know, this is the, um, what can I say? I'm looking for my tinfoil hat here. It's yeah, here definitely do. This is but, a good uh, time for it. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> you, keep, you actually keep it handy. Or is that what... I, uh, is, is that what the the uh, whatever they were? Not Doritos. What were they? No, this is my tinfoil hat. But he's he's anti neocon and anti interventionist, and the Israelis got him. They were out to get him, and they have this weird conspiracy, and they've managed to oh. implicate him, oh. and they're getting rid of one of their opponents. Uh, that it would be, that would be the tinfoil hat. You should definitely theory. keep that tinfoil hat on both because right. it actually looks really good, but, uh, yeah, right. it, so. it makes you really should be wearing it when you're saying shit like this. Well, let me tell people what, let Why me tell is that pe- crazy. Well, first let's tell people what the story is. Cause I don't think it's gotten much. It, it, the story is, is, is very, uh, I'm vague on the details. So tell me the story. So, uh, the basic idea is this this media director of the Israeli consulate, Jake Novak, conveys to Scott Adams uh, in, in these screenshots that neither of them is challenged the authenticity of, uh, basically tells him that, uh, you know, remember, Gates had alleged that that uh, the re- that what's happened here, there is there were no prostitutes. It's just that these guys wanted to extort money out of him, uh, and 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 they off they said they could get the Justice Department to drop the charges or something if his dad gave them a lot of money, and 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 Gates and then this was somehow connected uh, to a plan to extract this guy Bob Levinson from Iran, a, a U.S. federal officer of some kind who was thought to be dead a long time ago, right? But still. The idea emerged that somehow the same guys who were extorting, uh, they wanted, they wanted Gates's father to give them money to get this to, to help rescue Bob Levinson. And they were using this, uh, Justice Department case or these allegations to help put the screws on Gates's dad. It was, it, it was weird. But anyway, what, what emerges in this exchange is that this guy from the Israeli consulate says, no, no, um, you know, this was, this was already going on. And now, now that I found out that Gates is under investigation, that's a complication for us or something. And, and here's a quote. Uh, in other words, the, 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 he's saying the, the, the plan to, 
This guy says he was part of the plan to get Bob Levinson out of Iran. This this guy, Jake Novak, says that. The, uh, why, why would you ask Gates to give the money if you weren't extorting him? Well, Gates, I don't know, Gates but this guy's claim, the- this guy's claim is that that was already happening before the whole uh, prostitution right. thing broke. Because this guy texts, he writes, quote, Gates's dad was secretly funding us. So I'm very much wanting this to be untrue, meaning the new news about right, the, the right, 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 right. he says, quote, I've got a commando team leader friend of mine nervously waiting for the wire transfers to clear. Right. And that's the money that's coming from Gates's dad. This guy's claim. Uh, I can look at uh, try to find all the. Uh, yeah, I can look at the other screenshots. There's a there's uh, a bunch of them, but. um it's uh but what's the upshot if he if, if he's if, if Gates is guilty of whatever was supposed to be covered up, then it's he's still in trouble, right? Yeah, he's in trouble. I mean, here's the exchange. Uh Scott Adams says the allegations against him do not sound credible. Uh and this Jake guy from the Israeli consulate says, I don't want to believe them, but my source says it looks bad from closer in. Scott Adams says, I'm betting against it, but the extortion counterclaim sounds credible. And so, and now this guy, uh, you know, he says he has witnesses, but now this guy disabuses him of the credibility of the extortion counterclaim by saying, look, he says, the backstory is this is screwing up my efforts to free right. Bob Levinson. Okay. Gates's dad was secretly funding us, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, so I, I just, so, so that's what the guy says. What I, I don't, I, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, and that makes you think a little more, a more that Gates is guilty. Of, of yeah, yeah, it sounds like the bigger question is, how did it come? To, if this is true, and you know, I briefly entertained the idea that Scott Adams and this guy actually faked the exchange so that they could serve some larger goal with this, but I couldn't think of what that would be. So you have to ask if this is true, why was Matt Gates's dad? Uh, funneling money to try to get a guy out of Iran that everybody thought was dead, and why is the Israeli consulate involved? He's an American. Right. Levinson is an American. That, I believe that fits with my tinfoil theory. Oh, but come on. You, you're, you're going back to, like, they're extorting Matt Gates to get him to shut up about a, a speech he only uh, a theme he actually rarely visited about American inter- interventionism? If, if, you, if, you were, if you were worried about the right wing turning uh, turning anti, anti-Israel and anti-interventionist more than anti-Israel, which Israel certainly is. Uh, Gates is a guy you'd want to take out uh, as before he got too far. But then off you the wouldn't band. try to extort money from him. You just say, "Quit talking about this stuff." Um, that's right. So but, there um, goes your theory. Assuming there was the the money transfer. This is crazy, but I don't know. I, I, this goes unless, beyond the, the prostitution thing. It's crazy. Unless somehow they they were in league with the tax collector of Seminole County and in terms of enlisting Gates as in his uh, fake ID sugar daddy scheme. Uh, uh, well, you are connecting dots, at least. The yeah. um, Okay, there you go. Final quote from Novak in these texts. Uh the real documents do not extort, meaning we weren't extorting money. He says, and we only asked for $25 million as an estimate at first. <laughs> he says, we came way down. So what? They only got $5 million from Matt Gates's father? I, I am I am. Why interested. is a guy from the Israeli consulate doing putting together this crazy scheme anyway, even if it would be complicated by the extortion? This is my question. It leads to the question of, uh, you know, what was Bob Levinson? I don't know. I'm sure there's a rich literature about Bob Levinson. I haven't even Googled him yet. Anytime anybody dies and under, you know, or is thought to die in the Middle East, theories abound. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the um, So um, uh, with, 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 the, with, the, with the Trump thing, uh, DeSantis is obviously the guy of the moment, uh, and I, I sense he's going to be. There's a, a huge disappointment in store because he seems to be a pretty conventional Republican with sort of Trumpist affect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's the media is against him because of the COVID thing, and 
and he puts them down and calls them fake news. But he's 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 actually sort of centrist in some ways. He's he's uh, he's he's had some environmental initiatives. Uh, he's actually been a pretty good governor. So I think, and and the big question is what is what are his views on immigration? He, it's possible that he's just a better version of Jeb, uh, and there'll be a huge disappointment if that turns out to be the case. But you doubt, you worry about his actual commitment to Trumpist immigration views. I worry about everybody's Trump I, tr- commitment to Trumpist immigration. I worry, certainly worry about Trump's commitment to Trumpist immigration. Uh, but uh, uh, yes. I, I think that's actually fairly heartfelt. Um, isn't there isn't there relatively early evidence of those kinds of sentiments on on, on Trump's part? Uh, there was. Yes, but he he also seemed to want to cut a deal, and he was influenced by business people. He, anyway, he's old news. He's the former president. So you he, worry about DeSantis? Uh, so who, I, who? You never know what these guys are going to do once they get lobbied by businessmen. Yes. So you're you're, you're holding out the torch for uh, for um, Josh Hawley? No. Uh, I'm hoping that J.D. Vance wins his Senate race. I, I don't think that guy immediately turns, turns on his heels and runs for president. Guy has no experience, no relevant experience, correct? Uh, no administrative experience, no political he experience. As much, he has as much experience as John Ossoff, a lot more experience. He's a venture capitalist, and he wrote a book, and uh, he's a good talker, and et cetera, et cetera. He, he's made... Uh, his main problem seems to be a guy named Josh Mandel, who's a two-time loser, who's he's running against, but who's polling quite well. Well, if Vance, so he may not win the primary, but if Vance uh, has the good fortune to run against a candidate as unappealing as the candidate John Ossoff ran against, maybe he'll win. Otherwise, I don't see it. But but look, that probably will happen. I don't see what do you see on the Democrat side? I mean, they're they're grooming Kamala Harris. I have seen no evidence that she has substantial support. I personally have never been a fan. I don't know anybody. Well, uh, my wife's kind of fan-ish. But, you know, and the thing is, she anta- she's an equal opportunity antagonizer. You know, like my highly woke daughter doesn't like her. The friends I know my age of my political, you know, more moderate liberals why does your don't like her. Why did your woke daughter doesn't like her because she was a prosecutor? Well, and her, well, the specific record. Uh, and, okay. you know, I think they sense that she's not the real thing. I mean, I mean, she's, she's transparently a phony. Yes. That, yeah, she is. That, that that's the thing. Is there, what is the real Kamala Harris? What does she actually stand for? And, uh, and people don't want a president who giggles all the time either. She stands for Kamala Harris. She only does root causes, Bob. She's in charge of uh, stopping the flow at the border, but she won't go to the border and uh, would only talk about, uh, dealing with the root causes of Central America. Wait, so. didn't Biden put her in charge of a second thing, or is it still just uh, stopping the flow of... Uh... As far as I know, it's just stopping the flow. Oh, that reminds me. Was it here in the parrot room that you said, Bob, is it true you wrote the pro-NAFTA editorial for the New Republic? I forget. Well, just quickly, Andrew, I, I want to say something. Andrew Sullivan put me up to that. I want to say something. Uh, I believe it's true that I did, but first of all, as I said last time, I said we want strong labor and environmental accords, but then I remembered another thing I put in. And look, I am still largely pro-economic engagement. You want a good deal and you want to be careful about the consequences. I still think it's a fundamentally good thing. But of relevance to you, I now remember, I think, uh, a line I threw in, which is like, you know, people worry about uh, immigration from Mexico. And look, one way to relieve the pressure is to foster economic development in Mexico, right? Better jobs in Mexico, right. which kind of makes sense. And I was just going to ask you, is, is it, I'm not saying there's a connection, but is, is it not the case that at least recently the immigration pressure is not coming from Mexico? It's coming from Central America, right? It, it, it was until recently, but now it's coming from Mexico too. Oh. The Mexican economy was doing great and it, the Mex- Mexico had stopped sending as many migrants and Central America was ramping up. But recently, with with COVID, I think, uh, the Mexican economy has not been doing its job and more people are coming here. Okay. Speaking of COVID, vaccine so, passports, for or against? I have I, I've, uh, I have no opinion on it. I don't understand why do. it's such a big issue. But it seems to me you can't stop businesses from using whatever passport they want. 
Totally. I'm so, totally, uh, I mean, w- look, what I would say is, you know, if you choose not to get vaccinated, first of all, you are uh, exposing the rest, uh, all other Americans to, to mar- at least marginally greater risk by virtue of doing that. And for that reason, one can certainly argue that the government uh, in principle has the authority to compel vaccination. I guarantee you that if this thing were like five times as lethal and twice as transmissible as it is, that would be the consensus. Yeah, we got to force everybody to get vaccinated. But but hey, we're not doing that, you know, but but listen, if I and other people have been vaccinated want to gather somewhere secure in the knowledge that everyone else has been vaccinated, we're going to do that. But the if, question a, is, if you, a commercial enterprise wants to facilitate that, that is their right. Can you condition like essential things like being able to go to school or well, that's a different go into government buildings or get food? School uh, is a very challenging issue. I grant that's not yeah. what I'm talking um, about. But I don't understand what the the whole the whole fuss about that. The, the, the passports are very easily forgeable unless you make them so unforgeable that they're the basis for a national identity card. Well, but I, I think, don't I don't I don't particularly mind national identity cards. So no, I think they would to work. They would have to uh, probably carry us into new and and in some ways scary territory um, yeah. in terms of but. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not I, I I'm I'm not all hyped up about him. Um, can I, I, I as long as we brought up the the reconciliation issue, I just want to to. I mean, it seems to me it's likely that Schumer will win. None of none of these arguments seem to none of the arguments I've read seem to preclude the idea that we're going to have a, a bifurcated bird rule government where if you do it in reconciliation. It involves changing the budget, taxes, and benefits. You can do it with a majority vote. If it's not subject to reconciliation, i.e., if, if it's subject to the bird rule objection that it's not budgetary, then it goes into this gridlock system where you need 60 votes in the Senate and nothing happens. So it, that seems crazy, but it also seems to me that there might be a crude logic to it, which is that. Uh, Budgetary things are the most easily reversible, usually. Uh, and so you raise taxes, you lower taxes, you can do it by majority vote, uh, but you can always change it back if you don't like it. And uh, some of the, the things that w- would not be subject to the 50 pure majority vote, uh, like immigration and war and environmental changes and cultural changes, uh, well, cultural changes are reversible, but Immigration, war, and environment are not reversible. You maybe want a supermajority for them. And cultural changes, you may not want to go back and forth on the whim of the majority, deciding, well, gay marriage is okay, gay marriage is bad. Uh, you know, trans athletes are good, trans athletes are bad. You may want a 60-vote majority before the federal government puts its foot down. So there might be a crude, it might actually make sense, this insane system. But then I thought about gun control, and it's pretty clear gun control is reversible. Yet gun control is clearly in the 60 vote bin. So it doesn't quite make sense. Speaking of gun control. A little crazy. So Biden is by executive order banning these things called, called, I guess, ghost guns, which means things you assemble yourselves. And at first I thought, well, by definition, if he can do it by executive order, it's meaningless bullshit. But then I realized, like, does this, uh, does this apply to, you know, using 3D printers to make guns? Cause I think that includes like, uh, non-metal guns that can evade, uh, you know, metal detectors and stuff. I mean, that that could conceivably be I important think so. if they that, can enforce The it. main impact is kit guns, I think. Yeah, but if it applies to the... Because the 3D printing thing is alarming from my point of view. I mean, if you've got 3D printers uh, and you've got the recipe for a gun, you can transmit it to your friends via the internet. They make their own guns. This is a new kind. It's plastic. It can get through metal detectors. Blah, blah, blah. Seems alarming to me. I agree. Well, it is. And you ask, like, well, how are they going to um, – how do you even crack down on it if you have the legal authority and you get back to kind of uh, creepy invasion of privacy issues, perhaps? Intrusive inspections, the solution to everything. Unprecedentedly – is that uh, – intrusive inspection, is that, is that your phone? No, that's my timer going off. We've been doing it for an hour. Okay, does that mean we should go adjourn and then uh, reconvene uh, before long in the pair room? 
Sure, unless there's something else we wanted to talk about that uh, um, was non-paratable. Everything's uh, paratable. It's just that some things are only paratable. The one other thing I went and thought of bringing up was uh, United Airlines saying 50% of their pilots are going to be blacks or women in their training program. That seems really pushing the limit of public acceptability for race and sex preferences. For the uh, preferences, you, you you mean why? Because people will get on the well, people won't want, get on the airplane because they'll expert, think people want expert pilots spotlighting their planes. Yes, and maybe course, you'll you know, choose an, maybe you'll choose another airline that doesn't have these rules. We all know that pilots don't fly the planes; computers do. If only no, there are all these things where the, the uh, we don't have it would. It, there are a lot of situations with hijackers where if you could, if you just say sorry, the computer's taken over, we're landing wherever we're landing, uh, the computer's running it, uh, that would be useful. But the, we don't, we're not at that stage yet. The computers don't, can't take over a flight. Mm. Uh, so I think the pilots do make a big difference. Yeah, well, uh, if they put it the way you said it, that's in their training program. They're not guaranteeing anything about uh, graduation rates. They claim that their standards are the same, but if you... Um, you know, it's sort of tautological. Every person who meets our standards meets our standards. Well, have you watered down your standards is the question. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I so, was alarmed by that. But So we should uh, do our, uh, our, our Parrot Room promotional segue. And our, and our promotion in general, your newsletter is Cal's Files. Mine's the non-zero newsletter. Uh, it's going to be a good Parrot Room because I... I'm going to cancel myself Ooh, good. on a race issue. I'm writing it down. Mickey cancels self. Uh, I'm going to, um, we're going to talk about that slate dialogue we had. Okay. I, I want to. It was I, really I, mighty weird, if you ask me. Okay. Let me tell people what we're going to talk about specifically in the parrot room, which you can gain access to, by the way, at patreon.com slash parrot room um so slate the slow burn podcast has become kind of famous i think each year they do this highly produced series i think they did one on watergate and now they're doing one on the iraq war and so they convened a number of us who were associated with slate at the time of the iraq war many had favored it uh a few had opposed uh and my question i'm going to ask you the question in the parrot room don't tell me the answer now was okay. I, I was, I almost emailed you this question right away. And then I thought, oh, just no, don't waste the time to stay for the pair. And the question is, were you too hot? I, that's so close. That is so close. See, that's my answer. You blew it, Mickey. My, my, my question no. was going to be, my question was going to be, was I too big an asshole or conceivably not enough of an asshole or just the right sized asshole? Okay. And, and I will answer that question. That, that, this question, folks, will be answered in the parrot room. Um, also, maybe talk a little golf. You know, they they got the uh, the the data recorder from the car Tiger Woods was driving okay. when he had that accident. I want to discuss that, but also the Masters is going on. I want to ask you about Enoch Powell. Does that name mean anything to you, Mickey? Sure, although I'm not an expert on his Rivers of Blood speech. Uh, I just came across a fascinating uh, Dick Cav- clip of Dick Cavett interviewing him decades ago and okay. wanted to reminisce I w- about the... I want to talk about muons, if you pronounce it correctly. Because you, I, I believe you so. tweeted about muons and I Mu- tweeted about more muons. More specifically, a phrase that's in this, uh, in the, in this big uh, paper, I guess, about about a finding that may force us to abandon the standard uh, model of particle physics, but the phrase is muons magnetic moment. Okay. That's good. And um, and uh, I also want to talk about the great, un- the greatest uninvestigated story of the decade, which I won't tell well, you. Well, we got a lot in the parrot room. I mean, it, it could so, be then, you know, that that we break uh, 800 patrons this week because uh, we're we're tantalizingly close. Could happen. And uh, remind us, Mickey, what uh, the 800 pa- 800 patron patron. Get, uh, I think 700. You gave them a, f- I think a foot massage. The 700. <laughs> um, and the 800th is what? 
I wasn't. I, I'll 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 serenade them with my guitar. Oh, that. But that could only happen on Zoom. I think they want. You know. They want Matt Gates like in person. Yeah, they want a they want a Matt Gates like experience with you. Okay, well, they're not going to get it. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, I think the parrot room will be better than what we've just done. Uh, you know why I think it? Because I'm about to drink. I, I, I'm about to drink a lot of coffee because I, I only th- got four hours of sleep last night. I don't think what we just did was our best effort. I believe it wasn't. And I blame my not getting enough sleep, which I blame on somebody else. But I blame, blame it that we were talking about infrastructure. I wasn't going to go there, Mickey, but, uh, you know, you'll notice that uh, cable news, the ratings conscious cable news shows don't generally lead with infrastructure. But I wasn't going to go there. They, I, actually, I, they actually stopped covering the Chauvin trial when it went badly for the prosecution. You think it's because they, oh, they can make anything seem good, can't they? Appar- apparently not. But... um it was pretty boring, I think, for a while. Maybe it's heating up now. Anyway, um, so, that reminds us never to talk about infrastructure ever again. It, or save it for the, you know, the very end of the parrot room, you know. The, the, yeah. the, we should have another room for, I guess that's what the weeds is for. Okay. Am box. I now allowed, if you ever lead again with infrastructure, am I allowed to say, Mickey? Yes. Like that? Okay. Excellent. So infrastructure this, rule. Okay, so this whole ordeal has been worth it then, if I've acquired <laughs> okay. that power. Okay. Uh, okay. We will see you in the parrot room. Okay. Uh, wait. Let me get out the parrot and say goodbye. <laughs> Folks, if you're if you're not sold on the parrot room yet, wait till you hear this. No infrastructure. No infrastructure. See what I mean? It just sells itself. Okay. okay. See you. Later. See you later.